Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, CNN's political director, and welcome to the CNN Political Briefing. If the Democratic Party was an animal, what would it be? A moose? A kangaroo? A buffalo? Who should be the party's next leader? And what does the party stand for? These are just a few of the questions the New York Times asked a focus group of 12 everyday Democratic voters. The group included a 30-year-old California environmental scientist, a Georgia machine operator, and a retired New Yorker. These questions might seem broad, but their answers were quite revealing. Personally speaking, to me, the Democrats are the party of the people. It's what I consider my progressive values. I absolutely believe, you know, all good talk and no action. The parties kind of just feel very fragmented. It's kind of blurry nowadays. Margie O'Mara moderated the conversation. She's a pollster who's worked for more than 20 years to get Democratic candidates in office and studying U.S. public opinion. She joins me now to tell me a little bit about this latest focus group and what the results could mean for President Biden's effort to have a unified, energized Democratic Party heading into his re-election year. Margie, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. How did you set about finding these 12 Democrats that you convened for this focus group? So how do you pick them and where do you all convene to do this? How, how, how does one go about putting a focus group together? So this is something that's really changed quite a bit since the pandemic. Um, so it used to be we'd just do these in person. You pick a town. We're going to go to suburban Milwaukee. We're going to go to Kansas City. We're going to go to you know suburban Philadelphia. And you talk to people in person about what have you. And there's be a focus group facility. And if you had ever been in a focus group about anything, about toothpaste, about baby food, you would be in their database. And then they would call you back and say, do you want to come talk to Margie? And you have to f- go through a screening questionnaire to make sure that you are the type of person that we want to talk to for that project. So for the last project we did for the New York Times, just Democrats, sometimes swing voters, people who sometimes they vote D, sometimes they vote R. Sometimes we want to talk to people who really have made up their mind. They know exactly who they're going to vote for, people who don't like voting. So whatever the criteria are, we determine in advance and then make sure people fit those criteria and have a mix based on other demographics. And they're paid for their time. They're reimbursed for their time. But they don't know that much about what we're going to be talking about. They show up because that sounds like an interesting way to kill, you know, an hour or two. And now since the pandemic, we do a lot more online. So that's obviously a different set up. And the good thing about that is you can reach people all over the country at the same time. So you don't have to pick Milwaukee versus Richmond. You can talk to people everywhere all at once. I know putting 12 Democrats in a conversation with you can't possibly, nor do I think it's the goal, I guess, to be truly representative of Democrats broadly. It's just 12 people. So I know you look for a mix, but how do you account for that representation issue? I mean, we look at, you know, what's the representation of Democrats nationally in terms of their demographic makeup and want to have something that's comparable. But it's not a poll. It's not statistically representative. We don't use the word representative. That has a specific meaning. It is not projectable. It's not statistically projectable. We don't give out percentages. We don't say 30% of our focus group respondents said this. Those are all 
no-nos. Those are qualitative no-nos. It's really to kind of hear what people think. And you lose a lot of the, you know, sort of joy and beauty of a focus group if you are trying to get this kind of closed-ended poll-type result from it. it. It's much more interesting as a tool to say, you know, as we did in this last group, like, what animal do you think Democratic Party is? Or how do people feel about The Rock running for president? Like, those are, you know, <laughs> that's where focus groups really can outshine a poll. So let's dig into this group that you convened for The New York Times of 12 Democrats. And I guess I want to sort of start at the end with your overall takeaway about what you think you learned about the state of Democrats and Democratic voters thinking in this moment in time? I would say I was interested in what Democrats said kind of held them together, that the consistency in what they said really made them a Democrat is really quite a bit different than if we had had a similar conversation five years ago or 10 years ago. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. And when I started doing this, people did not, if you got Democrats in the room, they didn't necessarily say, you know, being a Democrat really has to deal with abortion rights and stronger gun laws and student loans. Like the fact that those three things came up so consistently are very different from what we would have heard in years past. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that, you know, this sense that like there's like a meme, Democrats in disarray, right? There's like a joke that like Democrats are somehow infighting and Republicans. There's also similar things that people say about Republicans. We didn't really hear that from the Dem. I mean, there was a little bit, but ultimately people are looking for what they kind of judge the party success is not so much their positions, but really about results and feeling like is the Democratic Party able to deliver on the results? Because I'm still I still have questions. I still have pain. I'm still worried about X, Y and Z. And so they're really judging the party not through intent, but just wanted to see results that that would impact them. Was there one participant's sort of response to that question about what it means to them to be a Democrat that stuck out to you? It, it was interesting when we asked this question and a couple people used the word blurry, like the Democratic Party is blurry and that's what it means. And so I pushed on blurry and really they didn't mean that they meant they wanted to feel results. So that was interesting that people were using the word blurry to kind of mean something else. The other thing that I heard people to, say, when you say. Sorry, when you say to mean something else, as it relates what? to results, does that mean to mean dissatisfied? It meant like I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm not sure what the results okay. are. Right. Okay. And not that. I, you incomplete. Know, yes. Incomplete. Yes. That, you know, goals were similar, but incomplete or feeling like they wanted, you know, to feel more. And then the other thing that I, I heard a couple people say is people worrying about being judged in their community for being a Democrat. That was something that a couple people said. And, you know, we didn't have as much space to kind of really dig into that. I think it's like an interesting conversation that comes up all the time where people feel, and Republicans say this too, they feel they can't say who they are. They're judged by their neighbors if they support whoever they support from one party or the other. But it was notable that a few people said people are going to think that I support this or that, they're going to judge me and, and I don't want them to judge me. So it's not that I don't feel proud of being a Democrat. It's just I don't want to feel judged by my neighbors. And that makes me sad that people feel that way in their own communities, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. It makes me sad when people, you know, feel like they can't be who they are, whatever that is, whatever that means to them. I know you've done some focus groups with Republicans as well. Have you heard something similar from Republicans about that kind of judgment? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I've also heard it from Republicans. I mean, this notion of like 
And especially since we just had Thanksgiving, like I can't talk to my family. Like there has been a lot of like, how do you go home to your relatives and talk about politics? And, you know, it is like a thing. Like, do you feel like your whole family is divided? You know, can you talk to your friends on Facebook? Can you talk to your, you know, relatives in person? Can you talk to your neighbors? Like I had somebody tell me that in her community, she has a hard time talking to her, to her friends. And I said, well, what do you talk about instead? And she said, 80s music. (laughs) (laughs) That's a safe, that's a safe subject. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, we're going to take a very quick break and we are going to dig in with more on this Democratic focus group, what they think of Joe Biden, what they told Margie about their thoughts about future leaders of the party. That's all coming up in just a moment. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back. We're here with pollster Margie O'Mara. Margie, I was so struck when I was reading the New York Times write-up of your findings and this experience with this group of 12 Democrats in this focus group. Uh, And I'll just read from the, the New York Times piece on this. For more than an hour, the participants considered its future and the people who might lead them into it. Mr. Biden's name didn't come up once until we asked about him more than 75 minutes into the conversation. Now, that is striking. He's the sitting president of the United States. He's running for re-election. He's likely, uh, of course, to be the Democratic nominee. And yet it makes perfect sense. I would imagine that these people don't envision the 81-year-old sitting president as the future of anything. And yet he actually may be the immediate future for the Democratic Party. I didn't really see it as as anything other than like people responding to the question, because we had lots of questions about what does it mean to be a Democrat? And, you know, how how do you feel about it? What does it stand for? And so on. And it makes sense to me that the Democratic identity and what it means, it existed before the Biden administration exists, during the Biden administration, exists after the Biden administration. And, you know, my colleague and partner in crime on these groups, Kristen Soltis-Anderson, who did a similar group with Republicans, I think she found something similar that Trump's name did not come up for a while. I think she might have found actually something very similar. And so I think when people are thinking about like their core identity and the policies and values, like that's bigger than any one elected official. It's even bigger than the president. It's something that they had for a long time, that they've felt for a long time. That's fair. I'm just wondering how much you found Democrats motivated in your group around defeating Trump or not having another Trump term versus affinity for Biden's vision for America kind of a thing? We didn't ask the question quite that way, right? But, you know, initially when I asked, like, what's on your mind, people wanted to talk a little bit about Trump and how they felt like good things that were happening was the fact that Trump was being held accountable by the legal system, right? I mean, there was something that is on people's minds. And this was not a group of Trump voters. These weren't Democrats who were, you know, not sure how they were going to vote. These were Democrats who voted for Biden and were not voting for Trump. And so they very much 
don't want to see another Trump term. And it's certainly something that we've heard in other groups, too, where they feel a very clear threat to their own community and their own safety. The contrast is very evident for these folks. How do you square the quantitative with the qualitative? I mean, you've seen all the polling out there that does suggest a majority of Democrats would prefer a candidate other than Biden as their nominee. That's been in a ton of public polling out there. So how do you square that quantitative result when you get something a little different in the focus group? For something like this, it's the question wording and the different nuance really makes a difference. Like there's a difference between like, would you be open to somebody else and someone expressing some curiosity to someone saying like, I don't want this choice. I want a new choice. And I'm going to advocate for that, which we did not hear. And you could see that in the national polling where Democrats are very consolidated in their voting for Biden. They're very consolidated in their favorability and approval toward Biden. And that very much is at odds with that narrative. But it's right there in, you know, in kind of public polling and public crosstabs that 85, 90 percent of Democrats are voting for Biden, favorable toward Biden, approve of Biden. So I, I think those things, people can hold all those things in their head. And when we ask people questions about, like, who would you like? Who are you interested in? And, you know, if you could create a Democrat in a lab, not for 24, but just sort of a hypothetical, like, candidate, um, you know. What they come up with? Well, they came up, you know, with a wide range of things. But remember, we're talking to regular Democratic voters, not folks who are familiar with, like, every rising star state legislator in the country or whatever. They were like, you know, they're like, I don't know, The Rock or that woman in New York or one person said Andrew Cuomo. You had somebody did say Pete Buttigieg and and Cory Booker were two names. But or what about Oprah or Obama or Hillary Clinton? So they're, you know, they're looking for like. And when you you say that woman in New York, were they referring to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? They were. were. So, you know, people were just sort of like, looking for a name that that was familiar and they want somebody who's going to, you know, fight for what the the same thing they're fighting for. And, you know, I'm looking for somebody that I've liked before and I would like them again. And that might be Barack Obama and that might be Oprah Winfrey. Was there a a single issue or an issue set that you found was something that voters in your group were really motivated by sort of organizing their political thinking around? I mean, for sure, abortion rights and stronger gun laws both came up very consistently across a variety of different respondents. We've heard the issue of abortion in just numerous, numerous groups, really kind of no matter the project, abortion rights come up. There's a lot of political discussion about like, will the issue of abortion in 24 be the same as it is in 22? People are living in states with bans or near bans right now. So it's not like a question of one election cycle versus another election cycle. I mean, people tell me in groups, not this particular group, but in other groups of friends who've had to drive to a different state or thinking that they might need to move because their wife is high risk and they want to have a second child and they don't want to live in a state that has a total ban. I've had multiple people cry and tear up talking about their own miscarriages, abortions, you know, assaults, like just the endless impact that people feel. And it is so, so vivid for folks. And it comes up in real personal terms in every group. We heard it some in this group. It was something that was very important. We didn't probe on specific personal stories, but people really in an online group is something a little bit different than an in-person group. They really can get very personal very fast. Another question I have for you about these Democrats One of the things we see in so much of the polling out there, Margie, and you know this, you've seen this, is that 
Well, yes, I see what you're saying about the Biden favorability number and that Democrats are supportive of Biden. But we also see among key segments of the Biden coalition, young voters, voters of color, specifically like black men and Hispanic men, perhaps, we see a diminution of support or a uh, lack of enthusiasm for Biden. And I'm wondering if you picked up on any of those sort of demographic slices within your group where you saw some of that work that Biden has to do to re-energize some of the segments of the party. I think it's important as things will now continue to heat up for the president's campaign and for surrogates and for candidates running across the country to really talk about the stakes. And that includes things like the effort on student loans, which is really, really important to a lot of people and something people really do associate with the president and also means like going out and talking to voters and making sure people are hearing the message. And for a lot of voters and for a lot of the voters who are going to make their decisions later, they're, you know, they're not necessarily getting that information. They're not really looking for that information yet. So that's something that's going to take more outreach and more time. My final question for you, because you referenced it a couple of times earlier on in our conversation. What kind of animals did they tell you <laughs> represent the Democratic Party? Okay, I just want to start by saying the animal question is a little controversial in like pollster world because (laughs) there's something kind of goofy about it, I'll admit. But I still like it because it allows people to really kind of, you know, express themselves. And so one person said the Democratic Party was like their Akita, which is like a dog and sometimes could be fierce and sometimes not. Somebody said moose, that a moose was big and majestic and tough, but not always necessarily on the attack. I'm just saying what they said, not like I'm not providing kind of animal David Ambrose commentary. And then um, (laughs) so people really like tried to find animals based on the degree of kind of toughness and willingness to get into battle versus, you know, being more reserved. And so we heard that in a lot of these animals. So it was bison, moose, kangaroo or dog. Sometimes people say things like, snake or fox or, you know, weasel. We didn't hear any of those kind of like animals that people were imagining to have like a negative spirit. But we heard people trying to think about like how tough is the Democratic Party? That's what they were expressing with their animal choices. Bargio Mero, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's edition of the CNN Political Briefing. And we want to hear from you. Is there a question you'd like answered about this election cycle? Is there a guest you really want to hear from? Give us a call at 301-842-8338 or send us an email at cnnpoliticalbriefing at gmail.com. And you might just be featured on a future episode of the podcast. So don't forget to tell us your name, where you're from, how we can reach you, and if you give us permission to use the recording on the podcast. CNN Political Briefing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Grace Walker. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director, and Steve Lichtai is executive producer of CNN Audio. Support from Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dianora, Lainey Steinhardt, Jameis Andrist, Nicole Pesseru, and Lisa Namoro. And special thanks to Katie Hinman. We'll be back with a new episode on Friday, December 8th. Thanks for listening.